What's up, guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and today I have Justin Hanover of Fitness Revolution. And uh, I met Justin through actually a member of ours, Kelly Berry. Kelly and her husband, Nick, own a company called Fitness Revolution, which does business coaching and mentoring to micro gyms, um, all different types of micro gyms, CrossFit gyms, boot camp gyms, yoga studios, Orange Theories, franchises, all the like. So um, I got Justin today. He's a success coach over at Fitness Revolution. They also recently started a podcast as well. We could talk about that. But today I want to talk about business fundamentals and what it looks like to approach your business in a way where you have a lot of clarity on what are the basics, what are the foundational principles of business that you can attack and improve on a regular basis. And I know there's a lot of business owners and coaches in this audience that understand how to do that from the coaching standpoint. They understand what the principles of great coaching look like, but then when it comes to run their business, they feel very scattered. They feel like they're all over the place and there's no structure to how they improve their business on a regular basis. So Justin's going to talk about three main things today that are some of the key fundamentals to business. So welcome to the show, Justin. Absolutely. I mean, thank you so much, Andrew. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on here and um, give us a little bit about your personal background. I know you're a gym owner and, and uh, how'd you get from, you know, how'd you become a gym <clears throat> owner and then how'd you get into being a part of Fitness Revolution? Yeah, no, absolutely. So my journey started uh, when I was young, probably about 12 years ago. Uh, I was 19 years old, starting my getting into like the fitness space. Uh, kind of like most, like you, you, you get into it because you have a passion about it. It's always like been a part of my life in that sense. And I saw it as a way to uh, not only work with people, but like build, create a living for myself. Uh, so we went into the fitness space and I started uh, actually mobile, um, going to people's homes and businesses. Like I was uh, definitely not starting from a, a cash positive uh, position. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it was more about the the, the grassroots def approach of uh, being able to start a business. So I went with the lease overhead, which was going to people's homes and businesses, and did that for about six to eight months. Um, and had my first opportunity come up with being able to uh, open up a little uh, studio, which was about 500 square feet, <laughs> which was pretty small, but it was an ideal location. And honestly, I didn't care at that point because I didn't have to drive around anymore. Uh, so it was now switching the business model to people coming to me uh, and grew that over a couple of years. And ultimately, it ended up uh, growing the business to where we had a 6,000 square foot facility. We had over 300 members and 18 members. Um, and I got to a place where, uh, to me, I, I, I preferred to focus more on the business side of things. I really like growing businesses, focusing on business strategy, tactics, uh, helping other people in their businesses. So that's where like my wife and I decided to make a transition in our life and step away and move away from the fitness side. Um, so we exited our fitness facility in December of 2019 and then got into kind of like the, the coaching path um, and helping other people with their businesses, which ultimately brought me to connecting with uh, Nick and joining his team and, and uh, kind of accelerating and moving forward what they're doing at Fitness Revolution. 
Nice. What was your gym when you had a 6,000 square foot, 300 members? What was the format of the gym? Was it uh, just like a boot camp style class or what was the format? Uh, we we offered th- the three main services. We had a large group, um, small group, and uh, private slash semi-private type of services. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, everything we did was original to us. I mean, it wasn't um, any type of uh, like cookie cutter type of workouts, if you will. <laughs> nice. And through Fitness Revolution, that's the majority of the gyms that you work with, right? Is people that are doing some combination of group and one-on-one. Yes. Yeah. Like they, like you said before, like that, that micro gym uh, niche is kind of like what we really focus on. Cool. Well, a lot of our, our gym owners and coaches out there, I know a lot of them are coming from the CrossFit space, either current or former CrossFit owners or in kind of a similar niche. And I find that so many... CrossFit coaches and gym owners really got into it for the love of coaching. And I would Mm. say more of them are unlike you in the sense that you were very drawn to this business side. Most of them, their heart is in coaching and, and they really understand and grasp that. So they're trying to then run a business successfully when the lens that they constantly look through is through this coaching lens. Um, Mm. So I'm excited for you that has this, excitement and passion for the business side to really help me and a lot of the coaches out there, gym owners out there really master this, this business side. Um, so let's kick it off with, with the first like fundamental, the first principle that you wanted to cover. What is that? And, and, and why are you going to start there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And just hit on your point too. That's something that is like, it's so, unique about this industry is that people are coming out of this space from a passion perspective uh, and not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to be the the best business owner or I'm going to make so much money like doing this. And yes, you can make very good money doing this, but let's put it this way. There probably are easier ways to go about <laughs> it than opening up a gym. Uh, so that's what I love about this space is that it's, it's filled with a lot of uh, passion driven people. Um, and that's, it's pretty unique um, compared to other industries where people are strictly looking at it from a numbers and in business perspective. So, um, so I just want to like hit on that, that it's really awesome that it's that these are the types of people that we get to work with, um, that are really passionate and driven and creating an impact, um, as well as obviously a, a living and a lifestyle. But so in terms of, uh, kind of kicking off like the foundations of what needs to be established in the business, the first thing is identifying the ideal client. And that is such a core uh, fundamental to being able to build, uh, an effective business plan, a, a marketing plan and kind of know where you're going and, and what you should be doing every day. Cause your, your ideal client literally controls every aspect of your business, uh, without it, uh, it's like, what are you making decisions against? Like, how do you know if, if this service is good service? How do you know if this type of marketing strategy is a good marketing strategy? How do you know if you're speaking in the right way, if you're going to like interact with the uh, clients in the right place, like you have nothing to gauge or make a decision against. So it can le- lead you down many different paths and feeling like you're kind of just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks uh, and shooting from the hip type of mentality when it comes to your marketing, where we find a lot of uh, fitness professionals are in. Um, and because they, they don't 
really know like who it is that they're actually targeting and how to speak to them. Um, so again, it just creates this confusion um, around that and it, it, feeling like you don't have control, like to be like to really gain control of your business, you have to be able to control your marketing, you have to control the lead flow, uh, and know how to increase it and, and capitalize on it. Because if you can't control your lead flow, then uh, you're really at the whim of whatever happens to happen just by chance. Uh, and that's obviously not a good way to grow a business. It's not that's not a sustainable approach. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's funny to see there's so many gym owners, I think are resistant to this because they see that well, my gym's for everybody. Look at I have someone in my mm -hmm. gym who's 17 years old, I have someone who's, you know, 65, 70 years old, and I have everything in between and my my gym can be for anyone and they're resistant to do this exercise because that gym could be for anyone. So how do you yeah. respond to that? And then how narrow should that ideal client <clears throat> be? Well, you respond to that by asking a simple question like, okay, you have that one-off person that's in your gym. Do you know how to duplicate that? Do you know how to get that person again you know, and to keep duplicating that? Uh, and chances are the answer is no. Um, they don't know. I mean, that person just happened to connect with them. They like them. They like the, like, like the vibe of the facility and it worked. Uh, that's great. But the, again, the bottom line is when it comes to business, if you can't duplicate your efforts and know how to do that over and over again, then you're not going to have a sustainable business. And that becomes more real when you start to have a team underneath you, when you have coaches that you're responsible for providing income for you have, I mean, that's a whole nother level. Like, and that's where you really have to make sure that you're able to keep duplicating what you're doing, uh, because, like. Uh, you can't have like, you can't like you can't provide jobs not have work for them um and that's where like this needs to be taken a little bit more seriously and ramped up a little bit more in the sense of having an actual systematic approach to your marketing uh, rather than just again just shooting at whoever happens to putting the, like instead of putting the, what i say like the fish net out and seeing what gets caught in it. Uh, like we're going to go out and shoot arrows and, and pull in the right people that need to, to be a part of your business that are going to be your best clients that are going to spend the most that are going to be able to uh, stay with you the longest to achieve the most uh, success with your program. Uh, those are the people that you want to be attracting. And then in terms of um, how narrow you go, really, that kind of depends on I guess like the, that, that specific niche and, and the, the desire that's around it. Cause I always tell people it's, there has to be a natural desire with the person that you're going after. Um, if there isn't a natural desire for the type of service that you offer and the way that you go about it, now you're just creating more friction and making it more difficult for that person to do business with you. And because the reason that is, is now you have to go into an education mode. Um, so you have to then educate that person as to why you are a better way of doing things than they originally thought. And that can be done, but that is a long process. Uh, like you, you're looking at maybe eight months to a year to convert someone's thought process into removing what they once thought was correct, uh, replacing it with this new way of thinking, and then getting them to take action. Um, instead, let's focus on like people who actually have a natural desire for 
the, your service and the way that you're going about things and your, your solution provides, um, your, your solution speaks to their biggest problem basically. Uh, so whatever that, that person's biggest problem is, that's what you want to be leading with and speaking to, because that's the hook to bring them in. Um, and that doesn't mean that you don't serve them in other capacities, but you need that initial hook because that's going to allow your marketing to be zeroed in and focused um, on that one point that's going to, again, bring them in the door and then you can service them in other areas. But you can't do that if you don't actually first get them in the door. Yeah. Yeah. What I hear you saying is like, how can we make all of our efforts be as effortless as possible or have the biggest return on investment, investment of time, investment of marketing dollars and Yes, it, mm -hmm. it's kind of like this 80-20 analysis. Like where where does 20% of the effort bring in 80% of our clients versus let's spend the 80% of effort that's only going to bring in the 20%. So we're not we're not mm -hmm. saying you can't help the 17-year-old or the 75-year-old, yes. but if your bread and butter client is uh, couples in the age range of, of 30 to 40, well then let's figure out what their pain points are and let's speak to those and you're gonna get some extraneous amount of clients that don't look like that, but that's where you're gonna get the best ROI on, on what you put out there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you just have to be able to know, like you said, who, who's your bread and butter? Who's gonna be the main one coming through those doors that's going to be covering your overhead and providing, um, like I said, a certain income level that you can consistently make decisions off of. That's the whole thing is like when you have more consistency in your business, you can make better decisions. Uh, when, you, when you pretty much know that, okay, we're averaging 50 leads a month of those 50, 25 uh, respond, uh, 15 book calls, and then 10 end up signing up. And it's like, so you know that you just need to consistently keep hitting those numbers and you're going to pretty much have the same amount of, same outcome um, every month. And that allows you now to make better decisions. You know, when you need to hire, you know, when you need to add more class times, you know, like when you need to make adjustments in your service because you have consistency. Uh, and again, like I said before, when you lack that consistency, consistency and that control when it comes to your marketing, then you really don't control your business. Yeah. The, the ideal client is not just about, bringing in new people and the the business side of things growing revenues growing membership but it's about improving your product and improving your service so talk to talk to us about how does this actually improve the service you're delivering yeah so <clears throat> Obviously, when you when you really get clear on your ideal client this trickles into the other areas of your business uh, like uh, your client experience. Uh, so you're going to create, you're going to be able to create a better client experience because you know who you're speaking to. You know how they like to be talked to. You know how they like to be handled. You know, like touch points that would matter to them, milestones that would matter to them, how to celebrate those milestones, how to keep them engaged. I mean, all those things come into play. Uh, and a lot of people really don't put effort into uh, mapping out what a client journey looks like. So if you want a client to stay with you for a year, what does that year look like? What are What's going on within that year to make that client stay engaged and happy and 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 uh, encompassed into what they're doing. And that's when, again, it comes to knowing your ideal client, because obviously say you're not going to handle a stay at home mom the same way you would, uh, a C-suite executive, you know, like it's just totally different lifestyles, uh, different things matter to them. Um, 
the way that they would like to be talked to is different. Um, so those little details make a big difference. Um, and like, I always like to reference, uh, like businesses like Disney, like, cause obviously like they really know who they're speaking to. They know how to speak to them. They make you feel a certain way. They understand that they're in your experience business. And it's the same thing with these, with fitness facilities, you're creating experience. Every time that person talks to you, emails you, walks through your doors, it's an experience every time. And what is that experience? Uh, and is it speaking to that type of person? Uh, that's the questions you need to be thinking about and answering because it's only going to dial in that client experience even more. And obviously improve your retention, improve your results, uh, ultimately improve your profit. Yeah. What we've found too, is that, you know, once you get your business up and running you start to get some of these ideal clients, you're still always going to have some portion of non-ideal clients mm -hmm. in your service. Like unless you're doing personal training and you're really like very strict about who you take on and who you don't, but it really, makes it clear when you're getting feedback, whether that's informal feedback of just an offhand comment from someone or formal feedback through a survey, not all feedback is created equal. And if you're mm -hmm. taking in feedback as if it is all equal, then what can happen is you start to apply feedback from non-ideal clients as if it's coming from ideal clients, you start making those changes mm -hmm. and you can do stuff to your business where you get off track and you start serving the non-ideal person in your business at the expense of that ideal person. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and that's a, a common thing we see a lot. It's like, it's, it's, you see like fitness professionals bouncing all over, like one month they're, they're doing this next month, it's this. And, and the next month after that, it's something else. Uh, it, because you, you're, you said you're letting yourself be guided by the wrong people. And ultimately that keeps bringing in those types of people that you really don't want to have in there. Uh, and the next thing you know, you, you built a business that you resent. Um, and that's not good because uh, this should be a fun process too. This, like, this is a big part of your life. Uh, so it should be building something that like you enjoy. And that comes down to also the people that you're around uh, is, is being surrounding around the types of clients that, that light you up, that fill you up, uh, that you enjoy pouring into, uh, not people that are obviously a lot more, let's say friction in the relationship. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that cannot be overstated what you just said there, um, especially knowing that the types of gym owners that I see that that i work with it's these are people that are really invested that want to do this for decades they want to be involved in it and mm -hmm. whether it's your staff or your clients you want to be surrounded by people that that fill you up make you happy and that, that cannot be understated yeah. enough do you have a um i don't know how detailed you want to get in the, the podcast here but what how can we start to find the ideal client you know can you give us something quick or what's what's the exercise that we can start to find this ideal client well, typically, I guess I would say that to get it going, the least path of resistance um, sometimes helps with kind of looking back at your own experiences, what you've walked through, um, what you've gone through, what you've been able to achieve, maybe failures that you've had, uh, because that's going to, that could be a good starting ground because you know, that can definitely uh, open you up to 
a certain type of person uh, like like yourself that walk through something and you're going to be able to understand it from the emotional side uh, and be able to understand like the, the the frustrations the pains that you went through the desires like the need for change why that was there i mean those are all important things that you need to know obviously to hone in a good marketing message uh but Ideally, I mean, like you, you, you don't want to just pick something at random because it sounds cool uh, to work with that type of person. If if you really like have no connection to it whatsoever or understand any emotional trigger behind it, I mean, it can be done, but you have to be willing to invest a lot of time to do some market research uh, in that type of person. So typically, for the first for the person getting going and who hasn't really established anything, it's let's start by looking at your personal journey. What did you walk through? Um, did you deal with a, a weight issue at a, a certain age and a certain point in your life? Or was there a medical thing that you went through or a performance thing? Or what was your path? Um, and see if we can pull somebody out from that and see like who fits that type of problem that you walk through. Uh, because again, like I said, now it's just going to allow you to connect with that person on a deeper level. Yeah, I think that's great advice for someone that, especially someone that's starting out, is you're going to have the best chance speaking to someone that looks like you assuming your issues are more like mass market issues or somewhat in line with the gym you're imagining you know if you're yeah if you're uh if your story was like oh i got really strong through powerlifting and that was so <laughs> empowering and then you're going to open up a boot camp facility yeah. you got to you know those things are out of alignment but if there's mm -hmm. alignment in your journey with what you're trying to create i do mm -hmm. think that's great advice um one thing i've heard for established gyms is basically creating two lists. One list would be a report you run in your membership software where you take your highest paying clients and you just rank them from highest to lowest. Um, and you take your top 10 or top 20 clients on that list. And then you do a separate list that you do without looking at who pays the most. And you just write down 20 of your favorite clients, the ones you enjoy seeing the most, the ones you enjoy having in your classes, in your personal training sessions, just in your building, in your community. And then circle the names that are on both lists. And that usually will narrow it down a little bit. Usually get end, end up with somewhere between five and 15 names of people that are truly your ideal clients, the people that you love the most and that um, are supporting you the most financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let, like I said, it's just, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, let's move on to core offering. Let's get on to that yeah. next, since that was uh, the second big fundamental we want to talk about. Can you talk about what core offering is and why that's important? Yes. So once you obviously know who you're speaking to, now it makes sense to move on to identifying what your core offer is. Like, what is your, like you said, like, what is your main solution that you're providing to that person to solve their biggest problem? Uh, so like you used the example before, uh, powerlifting, say you're, you're, you're into powerlifting, like, you're obviously not going to offer them uh, a large group fitness class. Um, like that's not going to be your core offer for that demographic. That just makes literally no sense at all. So that's where it's not about creating your offer first. It's about creating like your ideal client first. Then from that ideal client, what's the best way to serve them? It, it, does that person like, or say if they're an entrepreneur or a business owner or an executive, time is probably a concern for them. Like, and, and they need flexibility. So private training might be the best way to serve that type of person. Um, like, so it's analyzing like who the person is, what's their lifestyle like, and then now what service matches up the best 
for that person. Uh, so you want them to feel like, wow, like this was created for me. Like this, this service, it was exactly what I need. It, it fits into my lifestyle perfectly. It, this is exactly what I need to get to where I want to go. Um, so it's, again, it's not about you putting your own biases on anything. Um, and that's with anything in business. Like the last thing you want to do is put your, your own, um, like interpretation onto things, uh, and over having that overstep what your ideal client truly wants and needs. Now, as it relates to core offering, how important is it that it's just one offering? And do we, is there rules of thumb to follow of like, until you're making this much, or you have this many people just focus on one core offering, one core, like, um, journey for the client, client mm -hmm. journey of, you said kind of earlier, like mapping out a year for them, like how important is that, that you just have one versus having multiples? Uh, well, again, I guess it depends on where you're at in your business. Um, but typically, obviously, so let's just start from the standpoint of like, you're starting out starting with one is it's a lot easier uh, and a lot more efficient to build momentum than trying to spread yourself thin um, trying to fill three different options. Um, so in terms of building momentum, building traction, yes, starting with one is good. Um, but in terms of like adding on or making adjustments within your business, like if you can't replicate the same outcome for three to four months, then you probably shouldn't be moving on to something else. And so like, you want to know that like, that you, the biggest thing you just want to know you have consistency and that you have a, you have a proven outcome. So typically on average, depending on what it is, if it's anywhere between say three to five months, if you can consistently duplicate the same outcome the same growth trajectory, whatever it is that you're monitoring, then it's safe to say that, okay, yes, you have, established um, some credibility in, in what you're doing in your offering, um, in your service, in your marketing tactic, whatever it is. And so now, okay, let's, we can take to the next step. We can add another service offering and it's not going to, uh, alter what we have that's working. So like, that's the, the biggest thing, um, when it comes to that, it's, you can't add more if you don't have something that's working already. And so in terms of like getting, getting going, getting traction, focus on that one offer fill that, get, get it proven, like prove the concept of it, then add an additional thing. Cause otherwise the other things that you add on just become distractions. Um, and kind of like energy vampires, if you will, you know, it, because if your, your mind's now split up in multiple different directions. Uh, whereas if you focus on that one thing, you're going to be a lot more effective. Um, I like that. Like, I don't know if you read that book, um, I think from the, I forgot who the, the Nike guy was, but like, like just the, the one thing or something like that, uh, it was the mm -hmm. concept behind it. But like the whole theory is like, obviously when you, when you focus on one thing, you can be a lot more powerful and effective on it. You're going to get traction faster, um, build it to a proven, to its a proven concept. And then you can add on, uh, another revenue stream or another service or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, basically what I, what I hear you saying is like, from a marketing standpoint, you have reliability in terms of being able to get people into this program and, and kind of knowing how many numbers you might expect from it. And then I think from a delivery side of things, you not only need consistent, be able to create consistent results, but you need to be able to create consistent results that doesn't rely on you to deliver that process. And because you need to be able to create the bandwidth, first of all, you need to create the systems that someone else can deliver it. And then you need to be able to create the bandwidth where you can 
go and add this auxiliary service and it, this previous service doesn't rely on you to be successful. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a hundred percent what it's about. So that's why, like if we're looking at numbers wise, that's why I would say typically most people, I wouldn't change anything to you it, at minimum hit between depending like eight to 10,000 a month. Um, so if you're going from zero to moving forward, like stay consistent with what you're doing to at least hit like eight, 10,000 a month. Now you have enough data to make some other decisions from that point. But up until that point, uh, you, you just don't have enough data, enough information, enough history there to make good decisions. And that's just, I mean, another side note is just people a lot of times make changes too quick in their business uh, without collecting enough information. They just get kind of panicky because it's like, oh, it's, it's not happening how I thought it was going to happen. But you're, you're making this decision after like two weeks uh, when I think that's nowhere near enough time to say you have enough information to make a good decision. Of course, there's there are some that you can make quicker than that. But in terms of your fundamentals of your business, like, that's something that you want to make sure that you're not uh, – uh, making decisions too quickly with. Yeah. And oftentimes I've found that the best bang for your buck is, is continuing to make your core offering better, mm -hmm. improve the messaging, improve the marketing process, improve the sales process, Absolutely. improve the, the life cycle on the back end of once that person does start in that offering, how do we make sure that they see the result and they can continue to make progress long-term as opposed to adding an auxiliary service or, you know, in, in the case of many micro gyms, supplements or retail or mm -hmm. things like that, that can oftentimes be distractions to the core offering or core service. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's really what it comes down to is just, if, if you don't have something that is like locked and loaded and it's proven, I mean, I, and even at that point, like you said, it really, it's probably a better use of your time just to keep refining and improving what is working. <laughs> you know, a lot yeah. of times adding something new isn't really the best move. Yeah. And I look at, I look at so many of the franchise models in, in the industry, you know, Orange Theory, F45, mm -hmm. uh, Barry's Bootcamp, a lot of these, uh, you know, yoga studios that are, are more franchise or Pilates studios, like they offer one thing and they don't tend to have a lot many of them don't even offer personal training you know they've no. really made a decision that we're going to streamline this business to focus and um you know whether whether you whether you like that or not in terms of your training methodology and approach it's definitely proof that there's no limit to a narrow focus if you build the infrastructure around that one core offering yeah no, definitely. And and we've come across and worked with many different types of businesses that, that like say, like I know some that only do personal training. That's it. That's all they do is personal training. And, and they've built a, a massively successful business because they just, they have, they have the process dialed in. They know exactly who they're attracting. They know how to attract them. They know how to serve them. They know how to um, keep, keep them. They know how to like maintain their team quality and, and grow their team. And because now it's, you think about it from a team perspective too. How hard, I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard enough as it is to develop a team, which obviously, you know, a lot with like your, mm -hmm. your coaching development and stuff. I think how hard, how hard, much more hard it is for that person. Now they have to say, learn four different types of services that you offer, uh, and different ways that you do it, different types of people they work with. I mean, like, I think how much better that coach could be, uh, if they knew they had to execute on one thing. 
like and, and yeah. get really good at that one thing and, and so it just it makes it easier for people yeah and that's why um, like those franchises work really well yeah agreed um let's talk about unique selling position this is the third fundamental we want to get into today how does ideal client and having this core offering dialed in then lead into a unique selling position yeah so obviously once you have your, your ideal client your core offer now this just naturally makes it easier for you to position yourself in a unique way that's going to serve your market and separate you from everyone else and what i mean by that is like Again, you're, you're not you're, you're positioning yourself in a in a way that's speaking to so you're saying exactly who you serve, how you serve them, and the outcome that they can expect to work with you, uh, and the words that you use within that is the way that you obviously you, you uniquely present yourself. Whereas like a, a lot of fitness places who say like what makes you unique uh and they're all rattle off the same things like uh, we have uh, a good culture, we have a, it's like a family here, um, we have. Um, uh, individualized programs, like all that type of stuff. And it's like, great. Okay. You and 5,000 other places are saying the same exact thing. So how are you making it easy for the right person to do business with you? Uh, you're really not. And so now you're making those people choose based off of price and whether or not they just happen to like you. Uh, and that's obviously, again, not a good business strategy. So how you position yourself in the marketplace is really important. And if you know those first two factors of ideal client and core offer, then the unique positioning it just naturally happens. Uh, it, it's a lot easier because again, you have those, those, the core foundations figured out uh, and you know, then how to position in a way that's going to speak to that person. Like example, like say if um, you focus on people who are uh, diabetic or something like that uh, and, and helping them with, level out their levels and, and increase their energy, all that type of stuff. So like all the side effects that like, again, I would say most people want, um, but you're calling out now a specific type of person and you're positioning it in a way that's separating you from everyone else. Who, who are they going to, you think they're going to go with you think that person's going to go with the, the generalist that could probably do the same thing you're doing, but isn't speaking to them, or are they going to go with you? That's specifically calling out the problem that they identify with and providing a solution for that problem. They're going to go with you. I mean, for, for pulling that out. I mean, like that's what they want. People want solutions for their problems. And just like when they go to like Google or any type of search engine, they're not looking for generic stuff or general information. They're typing in specifically what their problem is and how do they solve it or like things that they're looking for. So think of that from that perspective, when you're, positioning yourself and you're putting your offer out there and, and how you're putting it out there, is this specifically calling out a, a, a certain person? Is it addressing the problem and the solution that we're going to provide and, and giving them expectations around what to expect with working with us? And yeah. if, if it's answering those things, then chances are uh, you're going to make it a lot easier for the person to do business with you. Yeah. Um, how does how would this look for different types of facilities so i could see where the larger a facility is the harder <laughs> it might be for them to go narrow where the smaller someone is or if they're just a online coach or a personal trainer they could go super niche with it so as an example let's say a gym has moms in their population should their marketing look like 
hey, we help we help busy moms drop their baby weight or lose 10 pounds and start prioritizing themselves again. Like, should their marketing be that targeted or should it be more broad? Hey, we, we help busy moms and dads lose weight and make time for themselves. Like how broad should that be? And if they do go narrow, are they going to have, are they going to target multiple avatars because they're trying to fill a 200, 300, 400 member gym with that? Uh, well, I guess it depends on the, like, say something like that, like obviously your geographical region, like your demographics in your region, like how big is that potential pool that you could be tapping into? Does it make sense? Will it, will it support your business? Um, so those are like, I guess like kind of important numbers to know when it comes to understanding, like how, again, how specific you go, but in terms of the success with the marketing, yeah, going more specific makes more sense because obviously you're going to speak to a stay-at-home mom differently than you would a dad. Um, I mean, it's just different. It's just they're different, obviously, the different desires, um, the different outcomes that they want from it. Uh, so if you're somebody that has found that you're really good at targeting maybe like different types of people within a similar uh, demographic, uh, then... If you, again, if you're at this point in your business, then I would recommend making sure that you kind of like segment your website in a sense, if you will, or like your marketing efforts so that that person is still being sent down a channel that is speaking to them. So just say an example of that. Um, I'm not saying you have to do it this way, but like, like say someone lands on your website, instead of going directly to like your main homepage, it can be like an overlay page of being like, hey, are you a stay-at-home mom, like go down this path. Are you a, 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 a dad? Go down this path. Are you like whatever? Go down this path. And they click on the path that resonates with them. And then now they only see a version of that site that speaks to them. So you're you're still making sure that the messaging matches up with the person um, and not trying to craft messaging to speak to multiple different people because that's hard that's not easy to do um so again like why don't you don't want to make it harder than it has to be so it, the more clear and, and direct you can be with speaking with one person uh, the the easier it's going to be to bring that person on board so whether it's again catering it towards one person or being able to i have to split it off into different demographics like i just explained you still want to make sure that they're seeing the messaging and the positioning and the offer that makes sense to them is it too general if you focus on more of the result as opposed to the person you're targeting? And what I mean by that is uh, you focus on weight loss, you focus on muscle gain, you focus on a full life transformation, you focus on kind of that result as opposed to, hey, we work with this type of person. How vague can you kind of get away with versus how specific do you need to be? Yeah, I would still, that's a good question. I would still like try to focus, prioritize focusing on that, on speaking to that person in a way that they identify with that, with that. Because I mean, people strongly identify, like, again, like using that example I used before of diabetic, like if they're a diabetic, they strongly identify with that. Like that is a part of their identity. So to leave that out, I, I think would, uh, you really would miss a, a huge part of the marketing message rather than just focusing on, um, like you said, the benefits of it, like the weight loss and stuff like that. That's 
not really, I guess I would say, like strong enough um, to invoke a, a consistent response from somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and where I see this really come full circle is it really affects what you can charge and how how mm-hmm. likely you are to actually get this person to convert. So you might be able to mm-hmm. cast a wide net with more general weight loss, muscle gain improve energy, things like that. But it could put you in this commodity position where you just get compared Mm -hmm. to the next guy down the street. You're not speaking to that person enough where they really feel pushed or compelled to choose you over anyone else. Like they, you, you want to be in a position where they don't even see other options because you're the only one that's speaking to them in that way. Mm -hmm. And then when it, when they do get into your lead process, your sales process, it becomes a no-brainer for them unless the financial side is just a complete mismatch. Um, yeah. But they're usually willing to pay a lot more. Absolutely. That's like, yeah, that demand and positioning is so important with when it comes to the pricing uh, because obviously the, the higher demand something is, then the more you can command for a price and, and, it, and it not be misproportioned. Um, so like, whereas like obviously like weight loss, I mean, that's just, like you said, that's a commodity. Like there's so many different ways to achieve that. How do you justify charging $600 a month versus them going to plant fitness for 10 bucks a month? Um, to them, they just see that it's weight loss. Uh, like you, you're not going to win that battle basically. <laughs> Yeah, and that's not a battle you want to be cool. in. Like, that's like, not what you want to be going after. Like, like uh, they always say, you don't want to be in a red ocean. You want to be in a blue ocean. Uh, and being in a red ocean is like putting yourself in that commodity standpoint of focusing just on weight loss or general things like that. Uh, that now you are competing against like a Planet Fitness and, and places like that uh, because that's, that's the same type of words that they would use. Uh, so you want to remove yourself from that type of that position, put yourself in that blue ocean so you stand alone. So now it's you can set the standard, if you will, for how you conduct your business and from the pricing to the fulfillment, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that really wraps up the three the three key things that we want to focus on today. Was there anything else that you wanted to share about that or, or anything related to that? No, I was, the biggest thing I just want to stress is just take the time to really do this. Don't skip this part of the business. Uh, even if you have skipped at this point and been in business for a few years, it's okay. Pump the brakes a little bit. Like Get this figured out because this could be the difference between avoiding burnout and building a business that can last 20, 30 years plus and, and even beyond you. So this is that important. So really take the time to do this correct. Um, put the effort into this. Uh, consult different people on if you have to. Look for mentors Like and really dial in this process uh, because, like I said, this is – this is the foundation of your the future of your business. So don't try to jump right to sales right away uh, if you have not figured this out. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Justin. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and doing this episode with you. How can people hear more about what you guys do and get in touch with you at Business Revolution? 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to kind of learn a little bit more about what we do, how we do things, uh, you can head over to frnation.com and it, we can you can learn more about our services, our process, and, and how we walk people through uh, our different stages of business and through our fitness business alignment system. Uh, we have a, a needs assessment you can take on there, which will give you like a uh, an up-to-date overview of where you stand in your business and like your potential weaknesses in your businesses uh, and then how to address those. So that's a great thing to take just to get a good pulse on where you stand right now. Uh, and then we have other resources on their website as well from our blog um, and to our podcast um, as well, Fitness Business Freedom. So it's a, a great place to, to start is uh, definitely going to the site. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Justin. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Andrew again. So I really enjoy working with gym owners and coaches, and it's really my passion to raise the game for coaches in our industry and help gym owners succeed. And in order to do that, they're going to need great coaches on their teams. So coming up soon, we're going to be launching the next cohort of our Rockstar Coaching Intensive. So if you're a coach out there that is looking to raise your game, especially if you're someone that's in their first couple of years of coaching or maybe even brand new to coaching, this is going to be the perfect opportunity for you. And if you're a gym owner that has coaches on your team that fit this category or you have potential new coaches, maybe an intern or someone in your membership that you want to hire, but you have no system for developing them and getting them up to speed, this is going to be a perfect route for you to do it. So if you guys are interested, click on the link below. We'll be starting that next cohort soon. And I look forward to working with you guys in a nice one-on-one -on -one and group setting.